0: Good morning. Welcome to Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richard, and I am the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am here with my co-host, Michelle Mooney, who is a licensed trauma and couples therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. We are here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on 11.50 a.m. KKNW. But you can also listen to us anytime where you listen to your favorite podcast. So, Michelle, good morning. Good
1: morning, Laura. Good morning to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. A uh, reminder to everyone, you can find- us at anchorlighttherapy.com if you want to schedule a consultation with one of our clinicians and find out great information other podcast episodes are there as well as uh, our blogs which is a lot of great information as well on mental
0: health resources fantastic Yes. yes so what are we talking about today michelle
1: We are gonna talk about our nervous system, uh, how it functions, how it can get dysregulated, um, what negative effects can come from that. And then we're gonna also start talking about ways of correcting that. Um, So this is another two-part series. So we'll talk uh, next time about how to help regulate and soothe, but this time it's a lot of good information about what actually is happening when we get dysregulated.
0: So, our nervous system is very co- complex. There's obviously a lot going on behind the scenes when we think about someone's mental health or our own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and with when the nervous system is dysregulated, it has an impact
1: on our mental health. So tell me a little bit about how that all works. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we're going to discuss um, the autonomic nervous system. So this is what happens automatically. We don't necessarily, you know, we don't put thought into it. These are things that just kind of happen. Um, And what makes that up is the sympathetic nervous system as well as, as the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system receives information from our body, our environment, So like cues and triggers, um, it responds to the stimulating body processes. Um, And this really is when danger or perceived danger is um, existent, our nervous system prepares our body for strenuous physical activity, right? So Mm -hmm. it's the fight or flight. So we have all those chemicals going through our body, our body's preparing to either bite off that bear or run away from the bear. And so, and if we're, um, our nervous system is dysregulated, it's kind of stuck in that process of being in fight or flight, which really can be uncomfortable and it's unhealthy for us. Um, so
0: even if there's a bear not chasing us, we could still be having these fight or flight responses to like maybe doing a bad job at work or being afraid that somebody's mad at us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, if your boss is mad at us or mad at you, yeah, that can really set that off because it, we can kind of spiral into, we might get fired, right? They don't like me anymore. Maybe I'm not going to get as you know many projects anymore. So whatever it might be, we perceive that as danger and we can go into fight or flight um, from that as well. Um, but our parasympathetic nervous system is what responds to cues of safety um, in our environment and interactions with cues that the body can relax. So we can actually influence these a little bit Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more of how we can influence that now again these things are automatic but this one we can kind of help correct and really soothe ourselves and feel safe in our bodies again
0: so when your nervous system is out of whack it Mm -hmm. really affects your overall mental health and so we Mm -hmm. want to have this nervous system response if we are truly in danger a bear is chasing us there's a car coming towards us right But our nervous system wasn't necessarily meant to get this out of whack Mm -hmm. if somebody was mad at us or if we were worried about our job. And so that's when it gets kind of tricky.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because this is a necessary function, right, that protects us from actual stressful situations or dangerous situations. So we are scanning and on alert for different kinds of uh, threats. But when, again, when it's constantly doing that and we're constantly hypervigilant about everything that's going on um, in our environment, that's when it becomes really uncomfortable. And when it's working, right, we don't notice it as much. So like if a tree, right, you leave work today and the tree starts to fall, you're going to run out of the way. And you're not even thinking about that, right? Your body just automatically does that. Your brain automatically does it. So that's the way we want it to work.
0: Absolutely. So we hear all the time from clients that they they feel exhausted from this response because, yes, if a tree is about to fall on us, we definitely want to run. Yeah. But that's just that's the sort of thing that might not be happening all the time. And when we're feeling traumatized, when our nervous system is dysregulated, we're feeling that response way more than we actually should. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it's
0: exhausting.
1: Yeah, um, because, again, if we have all that adrenaline and the cortisol continually flowing through our system when we don't actually have to flee or fight off an attack, um, uh, it, it, again, that just regulates us, and then we can actually crash from those uh, chemicals running through our bodies, and it's just exhausting, but also just always being on alert, right? We're tense, and we're worried, and um, our stomachs might be uncomfortable, or our heart might be racing, so, um, you know, again, that's that's when it gets to be really exhausting and our mental health can get out of whack so that can cause depression anxiety um, all kinds of uh, stress kind of related uh, responses for our mental health
0: and so then it can just even have a negative impact on your physical health yep overall I mean I'd imagine that this constant state of stress well not even I'd imagine we know a lot of research has shown us that this Mm -hmm. is not good
1: for our physical bodies Exactly, exactly. And this is one of the reasons why it's really important that we talk about mental health and physical health in the same uh, conversation, Um, Because if our nervous system is getting out of whack too much, um, this can start to actually, uh, our cells can deteriorate, our cells can start to die off. And of course, we need our cells to do all these functions in our body to survive. And so if we're constantly dysregulated, it really wears out our system. And then that could lead to things like premature death, but also things like diabetes, inflammation, cancer, um, cognitive uh, deterioration, such as like Alzheimer's or dementia later in life. So it's really, really important that we try to regulate this.
0: And so you're talking about some things that could show up probably I would, after years of being exposed to high levels of stress, but what are some of like the immediate signs that people might notice Mm -hmm. that their nervous system is dysregulated? before they get cancer or have dementia.
1: Right, right. So this can show up in physical ways such as uh, headaches, uh, muscle tension. Um, again, the physical response is like, gosh, my heart is just you know beating so fast all the time or it's hard for me to catch my breath. So maybe it's influencing the way that I speak or I'm able to even work out or do things right where I need to have my breath because if I'm just constantly in fight or flight, right, my body what's really happening is is you know your body's kind of like shutting down on necessary things so for instance our digestion isn't working because our bodies are we need every calorie we can get so we're not digesting anymore mm-hmm. so these are things that you can notice that's why our stomach kind of has that response yeah. so um yeah there's a lot of good early indicators Um uh, or maybe it does become a, you know, a terminal illness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
0: I think that's a good thing to mention because I think a lot of times we function in a state of stress and we don't even realize we're stressed out because the world is busy. We have a lot of deadlines. Um, There's a lot of demands on our time and our attention and, Mm -hmm. and you become accustomed to that as like your normal
1: state of being. Yep. And again, if our nervous system is running, working well. um, So let's say you have the example of running late to work um so you're running late to work your adrenaline is brushing and then if our nervous system is working right we get to work maybe we're only a minute late our boss isn't mad at us so that's a cue for safety and then we can relax and our bodies can do that we can't do that when we get to work that's another sign of like that our nervous system is just stress- dysregulated yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: and, I, and see i hear a lot of clients say that uh they notice that they can't come down from that state of stress, like after the work day is a good time when you might see that, that you can't relax, that you yeah. can't shift gears and stop thinking about whatever the stressor was, that you're having trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. So that might be an indicator, too, that you've become more stressed than you
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe even realize
1: or becoming dysregulated about uh, potential uh, upcoming things. Mm -hmm. So other deadlines or other meetings you might have to do or other presentations. So then those can feel like threats Mm -hmm. if that's something that causes us a lot of stress. um, So that, yeah, exactly. We can lay in bed and ruminate, oh gosh, that project tomorrow, that deadline tomorrow. Um, And that can cause that fight or flight response as well. We hear a lot of times where people uh, can't fall asleep because they're just ruminating about all the things that are upcoming or all the things that they said or did that they feel um, embarrassed about. So, and that can keep us really anxious and keyed up. Yeah.
0: Or waking up suddenly thinking about those things, Mm -hmm. opening their eyes and just flooded with worry the second that you wake up, all signs of a dysregulated nervous system. And and sometimes this happens really early for people that they become uh, dysregulated even in their early childhoods. What does that look like? What does that mean when you Mm
1: -hmm. have
0: childhood trauma? What does that do to your nervous system?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest predictors of a dysregulated nervous system is childhood trauma. Because think about this, kids from homes or environments that are traumatizing, they have to figure out how to protect themselves. That is number one. They're not thinking about playing, going outside, reading books, exploring new things. They're not getting to be children. They're getting to be these little things that are just trying to survive in an environment that's pretty impossible to survive. So adults, you know, really shouldn't be the reason why children need protection, right? That adults should be the ones protecting them. Kids shouldn't have to figure out. What to do to protect themselves. So, that often looks like for kids a lot of fawning behavior, you know, just falling in line with what parents say, um, you know, maybe saying or doing things that aren't authentic to who they really are. And then all they're doing is responding to danger and they're not really able to develop personalities or interests, because they're just trying to get through the day. So childhood trauma is the earliest uh, predictor, because again, they're in a constant state of fear. So if you're in a constant state of fear, you're ready to go, right? Fight or flight. So um, unfortunately, children who grow up with childhood trauma, this is a really difficult thing later on in life.
0: And so I would, you know, then you start with a dysregulated nervous system, and then you might bring that with you into situations where you don't necessarily need it. Like maybe your boss Mm -hmm. is a really lovely person, like your boss, for example. And, (laughs) (laughs) and, and, but yet there's something that, you know, authority figures don't feel safe or you Uh feel like you're constantly going to be criticized, or there could be all kinds of things that your nervous system now is responding to something Mm -hmm. that isn't actually happening. Mm -hmm. So what is some of the, what's going on in situations like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, children who grow up in a traumatic home, they become really in tune with things like facial expressions, noises, um, you know, any any change of tone of voice. Mm -hmm. So because, right, if mom frowns, well, I might be getting punishment tonight Mm -hmm. or I might need to take myself out of here because, you know, dad's starting to raise his voice and that's a cue for danger. So then we see those things later on in life. So if our boss Mm -hmm. frowns, right, that uh, uh, that person's brain is conditioned to know that means danger and then they go into fight or flight right? when our boss in mm-hmm. right? just might be, you know, she didn't have a satisfying lunch, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean she's mad at me, right? but that's where my brain goes. But it's that triggering the... that cue of danger. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, um, unfortunately, is children who grow up in traumatic homes, their brain actually develops differently than somebody who doesn't grow up in a traumatic home. So because they are just stuck in the survival mode. Their uh, amygdala is larger, right? The fear center, the stress response center of their brain is larger, and then the frontal lobe is smaller because they didn't need as much emotional reasoning or memory or uh, logic and things like that. They just needed to survive. So this mm-hmm. part of their brain is smaller. This part of their brain is bigger. Now, if we do things like therapy, regulate our nervous systems, that that can actually correct itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that you can heal this trauma, too, that this Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be permanent damage. There are things that you can do to to work through it.
1: Exactly. And that's, you know, in adulthood, too, things like lifestyle changes. So really taking care of yourself, eating right, maybe taking supplements, uh, exercising, whatever it needs to be. And we'll talk some more about what some of these things are that we can do for our nervous system next time. Um, But those are things where you can really start to correct some of the harm that happened to uh, yourselves early on in life.
0: So like you said, this is all going on behind the scenes. So yes. it might be tricky for people to sort out that you know, it's a reactive mm-hmm. response. So to sort out what's going on. So, how do we know what state we're in? What what can people do to kind of check in and see what they're feeling emotionally and physically?
1: Yeah. So if um, if their sympathetic nervous system is activated, their brain is saying, I can get to safety, right? I need to figure out how to get there though. Um, So there's panic, fear, worry, anger, maybe some irritation uh, that's going on. Um, You know, some physical signs is increased heart rate again, um, high blood pressure, uh, pupil size. So some Somebody who is in a survival mode, their pupils are much bigger, right? So that's a way of being able to tell if you or someone else is maybe in fight or flight. Um, And then again, what decreases is things like fuel storage or I'm I'm sorry, uh, fuel um, uh, digestion. um, And also what can really be impacted by this, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, is our ability to um, connect to other people mm. because again we're just trying to figure out how to survive i'm not thinking about how your day was and maybe why you're upset with me and you know you, what emotions you might be going through no, no 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 right i see that frown and i'm out of here and that's red. Like yeah exactly exactly so if we're in the parasympathetic nervous system which is where we want to be our brain is saying i'm safe right now um, i'm settled i'm grounded again compassion for other people um so that can be, you know, obviously that's a sign that we're okay, that we're in a calm and restful state. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: And then what about freeze? I know a lot of people talk about freeze. Mm -hmm. So some people say, I don't do fight or flight. I just, I Mm -hmm. can't even talk. I can't Mm -hmm. respond. I feel like a deer in headlights. Right. Yeah. What's going on with someone who has that experience?
1: So fear and freeze, that is the kind of last resort. So again, using the example of the bear, I can run from the bear or I can fight off the bear. But if we go into freeze, we're just kind of like almost playing dead, right? Our body is just kind of done. And we're just kind of hoping if I play dead, that maybe the bear won't be interested Mm -hmm. in me anymore. So that's where that comes from. So the brain in that moment is saying, I can't be safe, right? So the, the beginning one, right, I can get to safety. That's our parasympathetic nervous system. So again, that uh, releases a lot of uncomfortable things into our bodies. Um, but our brain says, "I can be safe." This, when we're in freeze, our brain is saying, "I absolutely can't be." So we can dissociate. We can become numb. Uh, we can become hopeless, depressed. That's where we can get some sort of brain fog as well. Um, so it's it's you know, our blood pressure reduces. Our temperature can reduce. Um, so yeah, it, it, that's the that's the last resort so that's really um part of our that's actually called so there's a, a, a vagus nerve in our system and we're going to talk about that a little bit more but the front of it is relaxation the back is the dorsal um piece of that nerve so that's that's what is really responding to danger and that when that's engaged for freeze. Gotcha. Okay, so
0: can you kind of can you give us some examples of what this looks like in different areas of people's lives, just so people can have a better understanding of maybe what response they're they're going into when the nervous system is becoming dysregulated? Mm-hmm.
1: So, thinking about triggers, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So, this example maybe isn't going to happen in your everyday life, but this is a really good example. So, if I go to the zoo and I see a tiger, um, my sympathetic nervous system is saying. There's a danger here, right? My body starts to respond before my brain uh, can catch up with it. So I might uh, back up. I might try to walk away. I, I might puff up my chest to appear stronger. Um, if that dorsal um, part of my vagus nerve is in it engaged um that would look like my life is in danger right Mm -hmm. if the tiger starts running towards me my life is in danger and then again i freeze dissociate with the parasympathetic nervous system if you know Mm -hmm. everything is working right then it picks up on the cues of safety oh wait he's in a cage Mm -hmm. behind glass i'm okay so hopefully that that is the way that that would happen Yeah. yeah So, how about Laura with uh, clients that you know? What's a good example of that, particularly in relationships?
0: So, we see the nervous system become dysregulated when people are having conflict in relationships. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. that's going to be with their romantic partners, but it could be with their their parents or their friends or even their coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when there's conflict, sometimes we perceive conflict as a threat. Although this sounds Way out there, we might see that as the same kind of threat as like a tiger chasing yep. us. That mm-hmm. there is your nervous system is saying this is danger. I'm not going to be accepted by this person, mm-hmm. or this person is somehow going to overwhelm me or take advantage of me. And so the nervous system responds. And then, since we both do a lot of couples therapy, we see this quite a bit. You might have uh, dysfunctional behaviors in a relationship where you might become particularly critical or attacking of your apartment of your partner uh-huh. you're going into fight yep. or you become flooded and you start shutting down or what the Gottmans call stonewalling you're going mm-hmm. into freeze you right. can't really respond to what they're needing from you because mm-hmm. there's a threat and you you your nervous system just says be still and hopefully this will just start
1: and go away right exactly <laughs> yeah. right and that all those things work really well yeah. right yeah um, but again uh these things can come from uh early childhood trauma mm-hmm. again the brain is programmed to see all of that and pick up on those cues and being really anxious about that and then the brain can go you know they're going to leave me Mm or they're going to abandon me I can't trust this person a lot of times when there's childhood trauma um they learn uh, children learn I can't trust other people yeah like you were saying authority figures but Mm -hmm. also our relational partners and relational trauma is really Obviously, there's a lot of bad trauma, but we talk about trauma and like, okay, a car accident, an earthquake, those things are devastating, Mm -hmm. right? That is devastating trauma, but relational trauma is an atrocity Mm -hmm. is what, um, yeah, so because, right? we need to connect with each other to survive. And this is telling us it's not safe to do that. Right. yeah.
0: And that's an interesting point that you bring up. It is a survival instinct that we have that as human beings, we need to be able to be in community and connect with other human beings. You know, if we are uh, kicked out of the village and out on our own in the wilderness, we will probably not survive and die without and we'll die without a community. So on yep. some level, instinctually, we know that. Mm-hmm. And so that is why relationships feel like a threat. But if you have secure behavior relationship or if you're in your parasympathetic then you can do all the things that are healthy in relationship dynamics. You can say, oh, there is conflict here. This is an opportunity for us to understand each other better. Or Maybe my friend or my partner had a bad day. I wonder what's going on with them. And you have the ability to stay stable and, and work through interactions.
1: Yeah. Versus our my partner had a bad day. So it was because of me. Yeah. I did something wrong. Yeah. So yeah, ideally our brains are wired for connection, right? Mm-hmm. That Again, mm-hmm. like the example you gave push out of the village Mm -hmm. you know that's going to be uh dangerous because maybe we're not going to survive right we need our tribe our Mm -hmm. community to hunt to fight things off right this started very early um so hopefully our brains are wired for connection trauma wires our brains for protection yeah and this is a lot of what we're talking about today
0: well, Michelle, that is all the time that we have for today, um, but we are going to continue this conversation next week in mm-hmm. part two. And that is when we're going to share a lot of the skills and tricks you can use so that you can regulate your nervous system and find safety in your own body. So exactly. thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning into holding ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at nine thirty AM on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard anchor light therapy collective.
1: Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com.
0: And we'll see you next week.